0: Everybody remembers their first wave, whether it be in the ocean, their first break in business, or their first big win. I'm David McClymont, a former competitive surfer now turned C-suite executive leading the Palm Beach Symphony into its 48th season, and your host on the Waves of Success podcast.
1: This show is brought to you by IYC Yachts, Shervo, and Square Grouper. Produced by MediaZone.
0: Hey, everybody, I am David McClimont, and I'd like to welcome you to Waves of Success. In today's episode, we have three very diverse, very talented individuals with us today. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce Burton Rocks, Luba Randall, and Dr. Lawrence Rocks on the show today. What we'll do today is talk a little bit about their experiences in their different fields and how they overcame some of the adversity to ride their wave to success. So, Burton, Luba. Dr. Rox, thank you for being with me.
2: You're welcome. It's a pleasure.
0: I appreciate it. So let's talk, uh, we'll kick off with a little bit of golf. Why don't we talk about golf? And uh, That'd L- be
2: perfect for me. L-
0: Luba, the, the <clears throat> word on the street, you know, is that <laughs> you have 13 club
2: championships.
0: Is there truth to that with the scouting report?
2: Uh, that is very true. Um, I wasn't very competitive most of my life, but my husband decided, you know what? You've got a lot of talent hidden. Now just go out there and do something with it. So um, I practiced a lot. Uh, He was my biggest support. He was my biggest fan. And both of my sons stood behind him and said, do something with what you're good at. So I thought, why not? And most of the time I was playing younger women against younger women. So it was... um, gave me purpose, I guess, and um, I liked dealing with children and teaching the youngsters, so I got into a junior program at St. George's up on Long Island, New York, so it's it's a very humbling game, but um, it's very gratifying because really you're, you're taking in the whole game for yourself. You're playing against the course, and it's a great walk in the park. It's four hours.
0: How old were you when you began playing?
2: 35.
0: So later in life. So it wasn't like you were a, a student or a young child. No. And took it up at an adolescent age.
2: I waited until my children were in school full time because I wanted to be there for them always. So as soon as they got on the bus, I went to the golf course. And I wasn't very good. So I have to say it took, it took a lot of years to hit this white ball that's stationary. So, But once I, I felt that it was done correctly, I fell in love. how long
0: was it before you won your first club championship?
2: First one was 2005. Incredible. And then I went 2007, uh, nine. And in 2011, I actually won North and South. And I was on, I was on cloud nine. (laughs) My husband couldn't believe it. Uh, again, my biggest support, my biggest fan, um, and I thought if I could do it once, I could do it again. And it just got me going, motivators.
0: Speaking of golf, Dr. Rocks, I understand that you were a caddy as a child?
3: <clears throat> yes, I was. I was about 12, 10 years of age. <clears throat> I started very early. And uh, I enjoyed the beauty of the golf course, actually. And I was especially interested in the uh, maintenance people who used long, thin bamboo poles to fluff the grass on the green, get the morning dew off, and maybe there was another purpose to it. It interested me in the environment. I, I took notice of the different trees and the different terrain, and uh, I thought uh, more deeply about uh, my environment.
0: Would you say that was one of the influencing factors into you getting involved in science?
3: <clears throat> it was one. A big one was uh, a class assignment uh, to, do a scientific project in elementary school. And I picked uh, building a little telescope. I got a uh, long focus lane lens and a uh, microscopic compound lens and put the two together in a tube and saw a moon of Jupiter. And I'll never forget the thrill. I still, sitting here, I can still see that little dot, the moon shining orange. <clears throat> in the southwest side of Jupiter, and uh, I thought that I can do it. You know, I, it gave me a sense of uh, being able to do something in this field called science, because at that time, I, I didn't think of, uh, think of the career as such at that moment. But it did inspire me to think that I can do it, I can be part of it. And there's another aspect to it. Uh, I learned early that science is a method. It's not a subject. And all you need is uh, curiosity, uh, imagination, um, what experiment to do or what to do, and some objectivity, which everybody has those three things. And that's why scientific discoveries pop up all around the world. You never know. Even today, you look at the, the world scene, and we see that uh, there are great uh, scientific advances in genetics in other countries, in uh, rocketry, in other countries, in computer science, around the world. It's, uh, it's something that everybody is capable of.
0: And I think that's a perfect segue for us to ask Burton Rocks, who is a sports agent, TED Talk speaker who manages professional baseball players. Talk a little bit about the science that goes into sports now, because I do think there's a lot that's happening with that. And I'll get to Dr. Rocks here in a second to talk about his involvement with it too. But things have really changed, haven't they in the world of sports and talk about how science is playing a role and the method that you came up with. And I always forget it. So remind me as we share with the audience.
1: Well, I came up with this quantified intangible metric. I did a Ted talk on it and basically it was a compliment to uh, the traditional uh, analytics that have been widely used in sports in the last 10 years and i thought that the intangibles of the sport really is what made the sport great. Baseball is a great game because of the intangibles. The analytics are really important, we're a data driven country, but at the end of the day, there you really need to know what what type of person this is and how you overcome adversity. So, the quantified intangible metric was really started out as a as a metric for executive hiring and trying to find uh, the best general manager and executive that you can in sports. And then it later morphed into uh player development.
0: And I would imagine they're using that in the business world too, aren't they? And are, are they using the same term?
1: I don't know about the same term, but they've definitely used the model. I've had a bunch of, uh, owners and general managers who have reached out to me over the years and, and really liked my model. And, uh, after a while you saw bits and pieces of it pop up in draft questionnaires to all the top prospects so it's kind of rewarding
0: one of the things that i always love to touch upon on the show is identifying all of our experiences going through adversity and you touched upon it overcoming challenges uh, which we all face i know that all three of you have had your own individual challenges burton starting with you when you were young you know as a child you had a code blue i think with a asthma situation walk us through What that was like, not only as a child, but then dealing with it leading up to being a grown adult and how you overcame that to be a sports agent and making such an impact in the sports world now.
1: Well, my first real recollection of life was actually uh, the room being totally uh, dark in the middle of the day uh, at the hospital. And that's kind of like the memory that I have the most. Uh, You know, is it I asked my mom, mommy, is it getting dark in here? And it was in the middle of the day because I really, it was, you know, I was in critical condition, but, uh, you overcome those challenges and basically you try to, uh, take the good memories and build upon them, uh, how I've handled it in everyday life, there have been some good days and some bad days. So I don't know about handling it too well, but, uh, I definitely have forged forward And what I've tried to impart to my clients is that you don't know people's stories. So you want to be respectful. You want to be supportive. You want to be encouraging. And you want to try to see the best in humanity.
0: Very well said. So I always like to quote books because I love to read. One of my many, and I have to use the word many because I'm always quoting one of my favorite books, is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Dr. Stephen Covey. And one of the principles in that book, one of the habits, is to seek first to understand then to be understood. So it speaks to your point that we really don't know what people are going through. Luba, you went through a pretty scary time where you're a cancer survivor. Is that correct?
2: Yes. Um, I always did my annual because, and, and you know, all physics of my body, just exams, do testing and preventative care. Always. Um, I was at a Bob Seger concert, December 2nd, 2011. And I got a call from a good friend of mine, our our family doctor, and he said, um, I just had my mammography and ultrasound done that morning. It was 8 o'clock at Madison Square Garden, and he called me, and I couldn't believe I'm looking at the phone. And I go, it's uh, Bob O'Keefe. My husband said, maybe he's here at the concert, and he knows we are. It wasn't the the case. Um, He said, tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock, my office, and we'll have Dr. Brian O'Hay there because your tests weren't very good. And I was diagnosed with lymph node cancer and breast cancer. You don't believe it when you hear it. <laughs> you know, you say, well, it's not me. It's gotta be somebody else you're talking to. And uh, I. it was a year, so it, that was twenty December of 2011. Uh, 2012 was my year of treatment. Um, I had chemo and radiation. They elected not to do um, mastectomy because there's no cancer in my family whatsoever. And dealing with that, I like Burton, you realize how important life is. And I said, when I get through this, not if I'm a very positive person. I said, I'm, I'm going to really try to do better at everything I do. And I didn't care what it was. Again, golf takes up a lot of time. And from 2014, 15, 16, I won a major championships, both north and south. Uh, it gave me reason to work harder, do better, and, and just live life because that's it. It's precious and it can be taken away so, so quickly from you. Um, but being a survivor, it's wonderful. I love to talk about it because here I am, proof You can do whatever you set out to do. And I said I was not ready to go.
0: And I appreciate you talking about it. As you know, I lost my mom in 2007 to breast cancer. So obviously breast cancer research and breast cancer is very close to my heart. So congratulations on beating it and being an advocate and continue to be an advocate about it too. To spread the word and educate and make sure that people are getting their checkups and everything that goes into it. Uh, Doctor Rocks. Let's shift gears and talk about science and as it relates to sports. I understand that you're a bit of a celebrity here—a tops baseball card for Doctor Rocks. Is there <laughs> truth to that? Yeah, yes. Right, and a the- couple of them in
3: different sports. <laughs> yes, I uh, <clears throat> I appreciate those cards very, very much. It uh, they bring me back to my youth. Uh, one of the things I'm working on now uh, is a. Uh, an antiviral compound based upon isotopic substitution into existing molecules that the virus needs for its growth. It's, there are Ford code bases. And I've altered one of them with uh, isotopic changes. So this compound is in a stage now where it may be tested soon by a company. Uh, I shouldn't uh, say which one. <clears throat> But the idea is that it w- if it uh, works, it would be a nasal spray, and it would attach to the virus in the nasal cavity where most viruses enter, and inactivate the virus by making its DNA too strong and bonding. Most people think of uh, <clears throat> making something weaker. <clears throat> Excuse me, this uh, would make the uh, virus genome bond stronger and not be able to replicate. So I'll see where that goes, but it would be something that would give the body more time to respond. It would In theory, it will slow down the virus's replication rate. The body then can take over. Maybe we need no vaccine, maybe a smaller dose, maybe no booster, it's, it has to be tested. But it's a theoretical model. I've, I've had a long interest in isotopes of the elements <clears throat> Dating back to uh, studies of uh, nuclear fission, nuclear fusion, energy problems. Uh, and it's a field that would would be very different. You see, the field today is to make a, uh, a vaccine that stimulates the body to make an antibody that matches some part of the virus. Topology matching. This technique would be very different. It would attack the virus through chemical bonding. So would there be side effects? In theory, no. Would it be an instant cure? In theory, it would not be an instant cure, but it could slow the virus to the point where the body can take over and take charge.
0: With the natural immune system. You touched upon energy and share with our audience the energy crisis. And my understanding is that you were heavily involved with creating the Department of Energy or in the early stages. Talk about the transition between energy crisis. And, and if I'm off base, please correct me.
3: Well, the, uh, I had thought many years ago, going back more than 50 years now, uh, that energy would be a story. <clears throat> you have to excuse me, this tickle. And, uh, It was a big problem in getting publishers. And it was a good lesson in life, how to overcome a problem. Uh, The manuscript was sent out to universities and departments of engineering and physics said there'll never be an energy problem. We're going back now to, uh, oh, the uh, 1960s. And uh, I nevertheless uh, thought to myself, if I really believe this, just persevere. We found a publisher and uh, the book came out and sure enough, the people who had criticized it the most were on board and uh, it took time, took some uh, lobbying in Washington with other people and eventually the Department of Energy was founded. Uh, A lot of people contributed to that, many people. I'm just one voice. maybe one of the original voices. So it did come about. But it was a good lesson to me that uh, failure is a relative thing. I mean, it's an ongoing process, and you just have to keep at what you, if you believe in what you're doing, just keep at it.
0: Perseverance plays a big part, Mm -hmm. and I think we're seeing a thread here, aren't we? That your perseverance to help beat cancer, your perseverance to win 13 club championships, Burton, your perseverance to overcome your challenges. Let's shift gears and talk a little bit about your world, which I'm sure is really easy. I'm sure that your world does not involve (laughs) lobbying. I'm sure that your world does not involve criticism or challenges. Talk a little bit just from the 30,000 foot view without going into granular detail about what it's like being a sports agent representing professional athletes, and dealing with the different associations. I think it's very fascinating, and I think a lot of people might not know what the intricacies are of of your world and your industry. Pain tolerance. So,
1: (laughs) um,
0: Lots of meditation.
1: (laughs) When I was on the creative end of life as an author, and I remember I had my New York Times bestseller, and every one of my friends said, "Uh, you're going to be a starving writer. They were right. They were, they were really right. And it taught me a lot about creativity and how we undervalue creativity. We always have because it's an analytics world that's data-driven. And so my creativity was, I felt, undervalued. The internet company, social media at the forefront, still kind of undervalued. People didn't really get the metadata platform of, Lifetime celebrity fan interaction. Today, people would be in disbelief about that. But you're going back 16, 17 years. Agency is completely different. It's not an algorithmic view. It's more of a day-to-day view. And what I mean about that is that you're dependent on selecting top athletes then you're depending on the athletes performing at the level that you've projected. And if that's not uncertain enough, you're depending on their loyalty to you and your services. And if that doesn't hurt your feelings enough, then you have the added level of pain of your colleagues trying to take all your clients. And if that's not good enough for you, then you have the interaction of, uh, I want to say, the business world and the baseball world, and sometimes it doesn't always intersect quite the way you mapped it out. So, I love my agency. I'm proud that I built it as a celebrity brand. I'm the, one of the few agents ever to build it from to build an agency from scratch never having apprenticed for a large agency. I was repped as talent by a big agency, but I had not uh, put on my agent hat ever at any company. And while I'm proud of all that, there are lessons that I learned that I think kids can impart that there are many unexpected roadblocks. And it's not even a question how you get around them, it's how you handle them in the moment. Monday morning quarterbacking. How you handle it in the moment. And so agency was a really good test for me because it brought back all of the terrible memories of struggling for my life as a kid, day in and day out, and day in and day out. But I had had some pop culture success. So it it tempered those moments of uncertainty.
0: What advice would you share with the 23, 24 year old that's out there right now that's aspiring to become a sports agent? Because obviously there will have to be sports agents for decades to come. What advice would you share with that young man or woman that wants to go pursue that career? And then secondly, what advice would you have in terms of you struck upon something that I think is very important, which I call failing forward. I say it all the time. We all fail but obviously you want to fail in the right direction. What advice would you have for those people that as they're continuing on that journey to make sure that they understand the importance of failing forward?
1: Well, you have to have an understanding of contract law. You have to have an understanding of business. You have to love sports. You also have to be prepared to understand the important interplay of analytics and data projection and also human emotion. And my advice would be, do not let mean-spirited, destructive people stand in your way if you really want this life.
0: So to filtrate it, right? We all go through challenges. We're all criticized in different things, especially if you rise to a certain level of success. So sort of brush it off, if you will, dirt off the shoulder. Lou, but what would you share with people out there, aspiring golfers that are working on their game, that want to continue to refine that game? And achieve whether it be a club championship, whether it be playing professionally. What were some of the lessons you've learned? Now with thirteen club championships that you would share?
2: Enjoy it. Don't do not make it a job, uh, because then it won't. The fun is gone. So really, if you love doing it, continue to play. Continue to practice, and practice is key. If you want to be better, you do have to get out there and and play, and. Also, play in different elements and practice in different elements because, as you know, your name is on the board to go play a tournament at your club or away at a different club. It could be raining. They don't cancel. (laughs) So get used to the elements. But number one, enjoy it and surround yourself with people that you enjoy playing the game with because you will be with them for four or five hours, sometimes six if you're going to do a lunchtime. Um, But you, you have to enjoy it. Make it fun. Do not make it a job because it'll go out the window as you having a good time with it.
0: I found it interesting in Hank Haney's book, The Big Miss, they they (laughs) talked about Tiger's preparation, and I'll never forget this, where he hit a variety. I don't know if it was 14 different shots with each of the 14 clubs, the 13 clubs, Mm -hmm. but I thought it was really fascinating that he would go through this series of different shots with every single club. Before he would graduate... To that next club. So, you bring up a very good point in life in general, right? We have to be prepared always. to overcome the unexpected. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very important. But I also like what you said too about living in the moment. I think it's one of the biggest challenges that we all face, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. To live, Absolutely. In live in the moment. We're all in the moment. So Enjoy busy it.
0: going out trying to achieve these different goals, whether it be for ourselves or for our career or our children. Sometimes we just have to take a deep breath and live in the moment, and smell the roses, if you will. Dr. Rox, what do you have to share with the audience as far as the young scientist that's out there that wants to pursue a career in science that's such a vast industry right now and ever-changing with technology? What advice would you share?
3: Well, you have to believe in yourself. Uh, What it takes is uh, curiosity about something, anything, uh, imagination as to what experiment to do or measurements to make, and objectivity about results. And if one were to think about so-called science, it becomes clear, at least it's clear to me, that it is a method, not a subject. I remember back in the, uh, during World War II, people were, con- the scientists of the day who got notoriety were atomic. Nobody dreamed would one day be computers. Then came computer science. Nobody really thought that anybody would be able to make inroads into DNA. Then there were genetic scientists. And if you go back in history, uh, there was a time when uh, photography was new uh, in the 1840s. And uh, Bessemer Steel in the 1880s ushered the skyscrapers and uh, mm-hmm. suspension bridges. So the way um, history has unfolded should be proof that anyone, anyone has the capability of doing this thing called science because it is a method. And uh, one should never be discouraged about what school they attended or how old they are. You can get in the game called science. Anybody at any age can do it.
0: Well said. So as we get ready to close out the show, I'd love to have each of you share your suggestions on how people can catch their waves to success. Burton. Any advice for people that are listening, whether it be sports-related or otherwise?
1: Think about your own intangibles. Think about the adversity you've overcome. Try to use it in your life, in your career, and use it as motivation to forge ahead and live your best life.
0: Very well said. I think some of our biggest setbacks can actually be some of our biggest strengths, can't they?
2: Absolutely. Luba? Believe that you're stronger than you are. Because once things happen in your life, you understand how quickly you deal with them and believe you are strong. Because we are. We we are so strong we don't realize it until we're hit in the moment of having to do something about it. And key for me is as you get older, people are discovering, again, like you said, cancer survivors, illnesses, anything just believe you can get through it all and don't worry until there's need to do that because I worried way too much. Am I going to survive the things that are happening to me? So don't worry unless there's just cause, but really we are stronger than we realize. And our bodies are even stronger as Dr. Rox knows this, these bodies can handle much more than we think they can. They repair themselves. I'm living proof as is any other cancer survivor. The body knows what to do. Give it a chance. Stay motivated. Stay positive and get through it because we will.
0: Dr.
3: Rocks? Well, in any scientific endeavor, people need each other uh, in a great variety of ways. And it makes me think that what, what we need now is for people to give to each other understanding, respect, and if possible, friendship very important to see yourself as part of uh, a larger group and we do need each other and that's the way to look at it
0: on that note we are going to close out the show burton rocks luba randall dr lawrence rocks thank you so very much for being with me today waves of success
2: thank you david my pleasure
0: Until our next episode, I'm David McClymon. I'd like to thank you for joining us today on our episode of Waves of Success. Please make sure that you follow us on all social media, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn. And you can also follow us on our website, wavesofsuccess.life. Until next episode, we look forward to you catching your wave.
1: If you enjoyed this episode of Waves of Success, don't forget to like, follow and share. We'd like to thank our sponsors, IYC Yachts, Cherveau, Square Grouper, and the production team at MediaZone.